Johnny. You don't understand. You're not my mother. Don't use my name. They took us here. They came to the house and took us. They took your sister. Me. You stay where you are. It's not us who are the imposters. Don't let them trick you. It's your commanders, your chief. They're the aliens. Do not fall victim. Ask for details. She's a copy. Ask her something only your mom could know. Mom, I'm going to have to ask you some questions. Don't do this. You know it's me. Don't let them trick you. Date and place of my birth. They brought us here. They're using us against you. I'm scared. Please. I'm so scared. Name of my favorite teddy bear. I don't remember. I'm sorry, I don't. Don't kill me because I can't remember. Hitchley. Stay back. All of you, stay back from them. That is not your mother. It's an alien hostile. We're not those creatures. We're hostages. Kill it. I can prove it. I can prove who we are. Just come inside. I'll show you. Don't go in there. Please. You're not my mom. Oh, God. You're going to kill me. Mom, please. You are. You're going to kill me. I love you. I forgive you, and I love you. Do it! What proof? Don't go in there. You're going to your death. Over and out, ma'am. like actually act okay hello and welcome to who watches who uh and for if you're watching on youtube hello and welcome to the first video podcast uh that we've decided to do why we decided to make it our 37th episode that's just how things work out but we're a video podcast now and you can see how horrendously out of date our profile picture is uh because it is that's from oh my god like what four years ago God, at, it at was least. when we left college, so it, three years. Yeah, almost yeah. three and a half years. So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. But anyway, hello and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Matthew, and I am joined as always. Hello, I'm Scott. Oh no, I'm not going to be able to sneakily drink cups of tea anymore. Everyone's going <laughs> to see me drink tea. <laughs> well, we, you know, we have to stay hydrated. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and you'll also see all the little cuts I make in the edit because this probably be a bit jump cutty. Uh, but hey, oh, that's just that's just how things roll. Uh, because I don't think either of us are confident enough yet to just throw out unedited podcasts. I like to have a a nice tightly edited podcast. Still. <laughs> uh, but the episode we are covering this week is part one of a two parter. Uh, we are covering the Zygon invasion. 
the build-up to Capaldi's defining moment, essentially, and also the sequel to the 50th anniversary, which we covered a little bit earlier on the podcast. It's also our first two-parter of a new series. We haven't done any two-parters of a new Who yet, so it's our first time here. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, um, and it's 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 also uh, finally revisiting Capaldi, who we've only actually seen once. Uh, I think is Matt Smith the only Doctor we haven't visit the least visited Doctor we have uh, of the modern era. That is because Jodie's obviously the most visited because we just did an entire season with her, and we've done David Tennant a couple times, and we do Eccleston with the audio dramas. If you want to take that, I think we've done. Matt Smith twice and David Tennant twice. I've lost count at this point. It depends if you want to count the fiftieth anniversary for both of them. Yeah, don't I know. don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, don't know. But anyway, this episode aired <laughs> on the thirty-first of October, two thousand fifteen, which at the time of recording is six years and three months ago, and that made me go, "Oh my god." Uh, because I don't want to believe it was that long ago. And this led me down a big rabbit hole. I've been going down it recently because I rewatched John Wick. I rewatched Speed Racer recently. And I was like, oh, these are fairly recent movies. And no, they're not. And John Wick's almost 10 years old and Speed Racer's like 15. Uh, <laughs> it's It's been a fun existential crisis of a week for me. Time just fucking flies, man. Like, feels like just yesterday we were just trying to get used to Capaldi's a doctor, and now his successor is just leaving. It's crazy. Yeah, I. Li- Ever since Matt Smith became the doctor, time sped up massively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not much happened on this day besides, obviously, war, uh, <laughs> which happens a lot. Uh, and all of all time, basically, there's always a war going on. But a uh, thing that I found pretty interesting, and it's kind of related to war, I think it was a terror incident, if not a terror incident, somebody trying to mimic a terror incident. Uh, Vodafone announced criminals accessed customers' account details, including their phone numbers and some bank details. Uh, the British multinational telecommunications company of over 400 million subscribers says it's, it's contacting about 1,800 affected customers. It was the second uh, hacking of a phone carrier in the UK that week uh, with TalkTalk getting hacked uh, the previous week, affecting a bunch of other people. So people were just hacking phone companies in 2015. What an exciting time to be around. (laughs) I think I might vaguely remember this, but I wasn't affected by it to, to care enough, so... No, no. I think I was with EE. I still am with EE. They've got good, good coverage. So they, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> the, uh, Vodafone's got really bad coverage. Where specifically where I am, uh, I assume Aberdeen's bad coverage as well. So screw those guys. They deserve to be hacked. No, can't say that. We're on video now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, we could guess who the prime minister and the president of the United States is. Twenty fifteen is. It, you know, it was six years ago, but it's very recent in our memories. Could you guess, though, Scott? Could you get it right? Barack Obama and Theresa May, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. David Cameron. David Cameron. David Cameron. He's, he's just about to go. Both of them are just okay. about to go. And, yeah. and the timeline's about to get very dark. 2016 yeah. was the dark year. <laughs> Dude, this episode aired, like, two months before Bowie died, Alan Rickman... 
just like yeah. all the January of 2016 deaths were hard. Yeah. At least they all got to enjoy Capaldi's Doctor, though. You know? <laughs> At least part of them, yes. Yeah, and David Bowie, I know for sure, big fan of the Zygon inversion. Uh, <laughs> his favorite episode, I would wager. Uh, he loved Doctor Who famously, David Boy. Anyway, could you guess? I've got the top five US films here, uh, but could you guess the top number one US film? I also have the okay, UK so, film, which they are different. Um, this is going to be a bit where you cut out, because I'm trying to think. I can't think no, of a single I'll, movie it's released in... I'll leave this bit. 20, 2015. It was a couple of months before Force Awakens. Um, yep. Star Wars is December, so... Was Spectre out at this time? If it was, it's not on the list. Okay. <laughs> okay, I might have ideas. Okay, uh, so I'll count down from five. Number five was Hotel Transylvania 2. Right. Uh, number four was The Last Witch Hunter. For some reason, that was doing well. I mean, it's Halloween. I guess you want to see something kind of spooky. Uh, pretty sure it's a Nicolas Cage film with Hayden Christensen. Uh I think, I think, I might, I think I've actually seen that film. Uh, Lost Witch Hunter. Yeah, I'm it might not sure be. It's Eli- Isn't it Elijah Wood and, oh, it could um, be. and Diesel? That could be also a <laughs> random pair. There's, I know for a fact that there's a film with uh, um, Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen where they fight witches. Uh, <laughs> so. Yes, uh, yes uh, The Lost Witch Hunter is Vin Diesel and Elijah Wood oh. and Michael Caine. And oh, what a cast. What a cast. <laughs> Uh, number three is a surprisingly decent enough movie that's maybe a bit too long, Goosebumps. I've, can, I've can never you, seen it. Can you believe it's six, almost seven years old? I can't. Yeah, uh, it feels like just yesterday it came out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> number two is Bridge of Spies, Spielberg's boring movie I didn't watch. Yeah. And number one in the US on this day is The Martian. Oh, yes. I remember that film. One of Ridley Scott's few recent good ones. Yeah, good films. Yes. Uh, although his most recent. Oh no, I haven't seen House of Gucci. He's he pumped out two films last year, and insane. He's like eight thousand yeah. years old. But <laughs> <laughs> and both of them had Adam Driver in them. Uh, <laughs> uh, I haven't seen House of Gucci, but The Last Duel is very very good. If you want to feel uh, pretty angry at history for two and a half hours <laughs> there's so many movies i need to catch up on man it's on disney plus i do recommend it it got a lot of flack uh because it, you know it's about a rape and people make judgments without seeing the film uh the film yes. is a very the film is a very hard feminist piece but people saw it was about a rape and assumed the otherwise and then ridley scott made things a whole heap worse by going uh actually it's millennials fault nobody saw my movie uh he's an old man what can you do <laughs> as if if a movie didn't release during a pandemic and it was an unknown movie and as well like <laughs> yeah and also you know. it had no marketing yeah <laughs> like, nobody heard like, about I, the movie at all and it's written by matt damon and uh ben affleck like i don't think it was even in cinemas in aberdeen here was it it, it might have been it, it was for yeah. i think like a day and then all the screenings <laughs> they had were at the most awkward times that nobody could manage because mm. i tried desperately to see it in cinemas and just never could get a screening that would work yeah, the same thing happened to Last Night in Soho. It just it kind of yep. was decent for a week, and then it just 
went at odd screen is like one fifty in the afternoon. Which actually, that's just come out on Blu-ray today at the time of recording. Oh my God. So I need to I need to get that ordered because I still need to see that. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's great. Uh, can you guess the top film in the UK? It is part of that top five list, but it is not number one. They are. Uh, that's that's your your clues there. I've narrowed it to four films. Right. If I can remember what you just said, like two minutes ago, we had Goosebumps, Hotel Hotel Transylvania. Correct, Amundo. It's Hotel Transylvania two. You know why? Because I presume it's when England do their half term. So mm. must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah must, must be. have been prime for that audience. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen the first Hotel Transylvania. I don't think I've seen the second one. I, I think I've only seen the first one. The third one or the fourth one? Fourth just one came out. Just, fourth one just came out on Prime. Yeah, uh, Adam Sandler isn't involved in it anymore, what? which is what? strange. Who does the Christopher Vampire guy then? Um, some guy on YouTube who does a lot of uh, Disney impressions. Oh, took weird. Over. Weird. What? What a weird. We, why aren't we covering this news? I want to know more about the Hotel <laughs> Transylvania controversy. Well, I just assumed Adam Sandler was still involved. <laughs> The, the guy who does it is apparently very good at it. It's, it's a very spot-on impression, which I guess it's an easy voice to do. Yeah, it's basic. It's, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Uh, okay, last thing I've got is the top songs, our favourite segment, because we can't play any clips without getting flagged. So, <laughs> uh, the top, and also the songs I've never heard of, uh, the top song in the US, can you guess? Of course not. I can never guess these yeah. things past it's, 2007. Uh, the Hills by The Weeknd. Oh god, uh, that, okay. I know that band, but I don't know the song. My only uh, knowledge of The Weeknd is he quite heavily features in the Safdie Brothers movie Good Time. Oh no, not right. Good Time, sorry. Uh, Uncut Gems. He quite heavily okay. features in Uncut Gems, where he's playing himself. Uh, that's the only knowledge I have of The Weeknd. Uncut Gems, by the way. Excellent film, with Adam Sandler in it. Look at that, bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one you should definitely watch if you want to feel bad about everything again. Uh, yeah, both of, both of those movies has been on my watch list forever, but I just can't find the time anymore. I love the Safdie brothers. Oh my god, their films are excellent. But, yeah, really, really depressing. Uh, and in the UK, the top song was Turn the Music Louder, Brackets, Rumble, uh, by KDA featuring Tinny Tempa and Katie B. So what? <laughs> I feel like I just said a made. I just made a bunch of noises, really. But I'm sure that that that, that song to someone is like hell yeah. I love that song. Uh, but I've never heard of those artists or the song before. KTB. Yeah, and Tinny Tempa. It's a good time. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't listen to the song, so you know, but it was. <laughs> It was number one in 2015, so it was probably really bad. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. 2015 wasn't a great year for music. I can't remember a single song that released that year. Do any of the albums but, I listened to release in 2015? Uh, not off the top of my head. And anyway, nobody would have heard of them if they did. So. <laughs> Fair enough. And also, no one cares. So Yeah, that's true. Nobody does care. <laughs> but... Uh, now that that's over with Scott, we can go into the actual Doctor Who segment of the show. Hell yeah. Welcome Hell yeah, to um, Trivia Pursuit, Doctor... The, doc, tri, the Doctor Who part. 
which one? Which chapter is this called again? Working on the title stall. This is the Zygon invasion. Yes, I always get those titles confused because yeah. they're too similar. It goes which invasion is a thing that we and did. inversion. Invasion. Yeah, inversion. It's, it's it's a thing we did a lot this season, which I kind of liked. But in hindsight, naming two episodes in a row the the Zygon in is a bit <laughs> confusing. This, but you know, this season of Doctor Who ha- was a love hate relationship for me because. I remember at the time, everyone's biggest complaint about Capaldi's first season is that it was way too episodic and nothing mattered. And it really yeah. felt like Moffat went, okay, and then made every episode a two-parter, even when episodes didn't need to be two-parters. And then, like, I think the only episode we get that isn't a two-parter is the really bad episode written by the guys that do Inside Number 9 about yeah. the sleep in your eye. And I really like those guys, but that's a bad episode of Doctor Who. Uh, yes. <laughs> like, uh... And yeah. yes, so this season is touch and go for me, but it's it's Capaldi's uh, starting to bloom as the Doctor here. Yeah, um, the Moffat era was very weird because every season felt like it was doing something different in terms of formatting. Like, uh, season 5 was a regular season. Season 6 got split up in half. Season 7 also got split up in half, but every episode was just one part. And also, the second part included Clara instead of Amy and Rory. Season 8 was had a two-parter at the end. Season 9 was all two-parters. And Season 10 was kind of like a soft reboot. It was a very inconsistent era. Yeah, uh, it was... It, and it didn't help, especially with Capaldi. Every se- and we've talked about it briefly before on the show, but every season with Capaldi, he was like a different version of his Doctor. Yeah. Like the first season, he's Angry Doctor. Uh, this season, yeah. he's Rockstar Doctor, which you see at the start <laughs> of the episode where he's just jamming out on guitar. Uh, and then the third season, he's Professor Doctor, which we've said before is our favorite version of Capaldi. Uh, but yeah, I, I do have a soft spot for Rockstar Doctor. I still hate the Sonic Sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, um, the Zygon Invasion was written by Peter Harness, who was born in 1976, and he's a lifelong Doctor Who fan. His first writing credit was in 2005 when an adaptation of a ghost story by M. R. James called "A View from a Hill." I have no idea what this story is. Um, he was very quiet from uh, until 2008. Um, which was a big year for him in 2008. He wrote two TV movies, a theatrical movies called Is Anybody There? Starring, I think it's Michael Caine? And two episodes of City of Vice for Channel 4. And he, kind of con- con- he kind of continues this trend of working on a couple of episodes of shows and some TV movies here and there until 2007. Uh, 2007? Until autumn of 2011, where he is approached by Stephen Moffat and pitches the idea of the moon is an egg, which Moffat absolutely loved. It's the wor- no. <laughs> that's the weirdly pro-life episode, isn't it? Where it's like an okay episode until the end, when suddenly it's like abortion's wrong. <laughs> like... Okay, I watched this episode this morning. I don't think it's pro-life. Oh, it's... I think it definitely is. When they start talking about how you couldn't possibly kill the egg because, you know, it's a living, thinking being. Uh, it's not it's not born yet, but you can't, you couldn't terminate it. Uh, and then everything's okay because it lays a new moon afterwards. I think the episode tries to do like a is it okay to kill baby Hitler type of um, argument Rather than it pro-life. Mm, it comes from my memory and from the f- the backlash to that episode. 
everybody yeah. would called it the pro-life episode it's one of my yeah. least favorite capaldi episodes i think it's misunderstood but i'm not saying it's great yeah but yeah this episode was originally for matt smith's doctor which should have been very weird and obviously the final result is probably much different than it was originally was yeah um, yeah but- and then it obviously gets rejected by Moffat. It isn't for season seven anymore. And he goes off and starts adapting the new novel, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrow, into a TV series for the BBC. And its premise is that magic once existed in England and has returned with two men, Gilbert Norrow and Jonathan Strange. And he wrote all seven episodes. And after this, uh, Moffat returned to them and was like, hey, you know that moon idea? I love it. Let's do it for Capaldi. And that, that's what happened to that story. Um, so so here's a little section. Here's a new section of a show called Do We Buy or Sell These? Oh, do, okay. we, do We Reject or Accept These Unsold Episode Ideas? Okay. And so after, after Kill the Moon, he starts working on some treatments for other ideas. His number one story is featuring the metal and monk from the first Doctor era. And he wanted an episode where the monk was played by Matt Berry, and he would force Rasp- Rasputin. <laughs> he would force Rasputin to listen to the Boney M song. Yes, and he would go mad and avert the Russian Revolution. Bye. I buy that. One, I yes, that, yeah, that I want, sounds amazing. I want Matt, I want Matt Berry. Uh, I want the meddling monk. I want Matt Berry as the meddling monk, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it sounds like it would have been. I wish we'd do more stuff with uh, Madeline Monk because he is such a fascinating character, and he needs to return for a new series. I think. Yeah, yeah, dig into that well. Go, go on. Like, like why didn't the Rosa episode have Madeline Monk instead? Oh, the, so much the, better. The Nazis were <laughs> time traveling, and that played into that whole thing. Remember where? Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing <laughs> happened. That, that classic moment. <laughs> Okay, his second idea he was he wanted a story of Hamara, a creature of pure hatred that feeds off fear. They transmit themselves telepathically through nightmares. Their weakness is seen through own reflection. And also, they're kind of like snake creatures. They were seen twice in the Peter Davidson era. He, I'm not sure what he wanted to do with them, but it could have been an interesting psychological horror story. Yeah, yeah. Put that on the, if we don't have any more ideas, we'll buy the script pile. <laughs> um, and his third idea was the idea of aliens dumping toxic waste on Earth, not knowing that Earth will evolve into will evolve into intelligent life. The idea came about after watching a documentary of people in Finland dumping waste in a cave that will remain toxic for a hundred thousand years. They have to warn people not to go into the caves, but they also have to imagine what human life will evolve to in a hundred thousand years in order to warn them. The aliens in this story would warn their warn one would warn them with symbols of death from their own culture, as well as planting psychic attacks, which will scare anyone off. That's a cool idea. That's a pretty pretty cool concept, uh, which actually I feel would fit Jodie's doctor. Uh, because yeah. it has that pollution moral message, and she was all about moral messages in her first season. Uh, but I could definitely see Jodie's Doctor fitting in with that sort of script. And his final idea, I also buy it, by the way, and his final idea was a story where the fog in London is creating a pandemic, leaving Clara and several others in a catatonic state. Which see, could have been fun. 
I don't think pandemics are real, though, so I don't think anybody would really <laughs> buy that as a possible concept. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, when when was the last time we had a pandemic? I, I don't think most people even know what that means, you know? So, <laughs> I don't know. So I think, I think most of his unsold story ideas would have been much better than Kill the Moon. Yeah, yeah, I would take uh, literally any one of those over Kill the Moon. <laughs> There was one point where we had Kill the Moon slotted on our schedule, but we had other ideas was, instead. Yeah, it was it was slotted in. Uh, so what we do is we come up with like what is an episode that's historically relevant to the time of the you know whatever day of the week it is we're recording the episode for. So we try to keep it on theme. But if we just have like we need to fill a slot, we'll just throw in a random episode of Doctor Who and Kill the Moon was filling in that slot until I think I don't remember what we replaced it with, but we replaced it with something more. Uh, relevant to the time yeah i think we realized that um when we do classic stories we can't do it one episode yes, that's that was it. too yes. much yes and then we started doing everything in two parts instead because yes. otherwise started, they're like otherwise eight hour podcast every week yes like the demons would have been eight hours oh long God, it's insane yeah, yeah that, was, that was those are some long episodes the demons yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah oh my god those were the so days. when he so when he pitched Kill the Moon, his idea was the moon is an egg. This is a time of a show where they are sounded based on like blockbuster kind of episodes. We had like a town called Mercy, Asylum of the Daleks, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. But when doing the Zygon invasion, things had changed in the writer's room. And said during this uh, during the series eight premiere of Deep Breath, Moffat approached him and gave him the premise of it's two Osgoods. Osgood's coming back. It's about the consequences of the peace treaty that the Zygon signed. It's an, ur- it's an urban international thriller with a global reach. And something goes wrong with the peace treaty. A murder happens and the peace treaty breaks down. Which is a good premise to write on. And it gives him a good idea. Because I think one of the problems with The Moon is an Egg is that the episode gets confused about what it's actually about. Yeah, uh... And that that's my whole thing with the moons is it's a pretty solid sci-fi thriller of an episode, you know, where they're like struggling to breathe in space and whatever. And they're on the moon. They're like, oh, we're on the moon until right at the end when suddenly like the doctor has a moral objection to the abortion of the moon. And then the moon gets born anyway and then just lays another moon. It's like a get out of jail free card where it's like, haha, th- there was no problem after all after all problem solved you know uh and also wouldn't the doctor have known the moon was already uh yeah egg because he's been traveling around whatever uh but (laughs) yeah it's not a great episode it's not great but you know it's it's not about we should cover it someday because i think we'll have Uh, it's definitely interesting to to talk about for sure that's why we put it in the slot but yeah but it's just pushed back for another time for now as so uh so Peter Harness's life after writing this episode of Doctor Who was he wrote The Pyramid at the End of the World, which was the start of the Monk trilogy in season 10, if you remember that. It was probably yeah. like the weak point of series 10, I think. Yeah, 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 I remember that. And then he wrote a couple of McMafia episodes. He adapted War of the Worlds as a BBC miniseries. I mean, he kind of jumped back into Doctor Who during lockdown when, if you remember... On Twitter, there was like lockdown watch-alongs of Doctor Who. Uh, he wrote the Zygon Isolation, which was a short on YouTube about t- the two Osgoods bored during the COVID lockdowns over Zoom, 
and they decided they wanted to watch the Zygon two-parter. So, <laughs> it's a very confusing little short film. I don't think it's canon. I don't think it's canon because it's only canon if Doctor Who is a TV show. But, like, a, like <laughs> or a documentary, I guess? <laughs> Just there's always a crew following the Doctor. <laughs> like, there's a point of the short where uh, one of the Osgoods opens up BBC iPlayer and goes to this episode of Doctor Who and clicks, I have a TV license. There's actually a point where she kind of hesitates over the no, I don't have a TV license button. <laughs> that's great. That's great. It's a it's a bizarre little short. Cause that's first I'm thinking, is this canon? But no, because one of the Osgoods died. Yeah. But also, but, do, but also do now come back. I don't remember. I don't remember part two. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really funny though. That's 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 really funny. <laughs> so yeah, COVID exists in the Doctor Who universe. And yeah. also, Doctor Who exists in the Doctor Who universe. But we knew that already. If you remember when we covered Torchwood, uh, when we see the car driving towards the Torchwood facility, what's in the background but an advert yes. for Doctor Who? So it's pre-established <laughs> canon here. <laughs> and and also in remembrance of the Daleks set on 23rd of November 1963, Ace turns on the TV and it, and the continuity announcer is like, now is the time for a new sci-fi series, Doctor, and then he gets cut off. <laughs> the Doctor Who does exist in the Doctor Who universe, kind yeah. of. Yeah, that's 100%. And then the latest thing he did is write a novelization of this episode, which is set to be released in June this year, so... Buy that coffee. But I see. I don't really have interest in novelizations of TV episodes. Uh, I guess some people like them. I don't. Again, you get more plot points and stuff like that, but they just don't appeal to me. I'd rather have a standalone story in a book. Neither do I. But I like the idea of more additions to what we haven't seen on screen. Like the writers just thinking, "Oh, I could have done this differently and all that." Like um, when Boris Johnson became an Autron in the novelization of Rose, apparently. <laughs> Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. I can't remember what actually happened about that. Weird. Weird. Novelizations are crazy. But yeah, Weird. that's it for the history segment. Hell yeah. And with that, we will move right into the review segment of the show where we break down the episode scene by scene and it goes on for, like, I don't know, like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good episode. You'll enjoy it. Shut up. Oh, I see you've accessorized it. Yes. Your question marks. You used to wear question marks. Oh, I know. Yes, I did. They were nice. Why don't you wear them anymore? Oh, I do. I've got question mark underpants. Makes one wonder what the question is. Which one are you? Human or Zygon? I don't answer that question. Why not? Because there is no question to answer. I don't accept it. My sister and I were the living embodiment of the peace we made. I will give all the lives that I have to protect it. You want to know who I am, Doctor? I am the peace. I am human and Zygon. Like a hybrid. A hybrid, if you like. Well, I'm proud to know you, Osgood. And I promise that I won't tell anyone. But you're a human. Zygons need to keep the human original alive to refresh the body print. If you were a Zygon, 
You would have changed back within days of your sister's death. Those were the old rules. Before Zygons could pluck loved ones from your memory and wear their faces. Zygons only need to keep the original alive if they need more information from them. If the interrogation is over, then the original can die. So the episode begins with a recap of the 50th anniversary, which I appreciated. And it also answered the question that we were kind of unsure about remembering when we were reviewing the 50th of whether or not this is like a direct sequel or a pseudo sequel. No, it's a direct sequel to this specific plotline from the 50th anniversary, uh, which I really appreciated. Uh, still don't know how I, I, I need to rewatch. Uh, I, I mean, I'm obviously I need to rewatch part two for the podcast, but I'm looking forward to watching part two when we get to Capaldi's war speech because I really feel like the key moments I remember from the war speech get spoiled in the first two seconds of this flashback with Matt Smith and David Tennant where they're like, well, nobody can remember and there we go, problem solved. Uh, (laughs) I think the Capaldi war speech is a bit more dramatic than that and it's not like a solution that gets solved in the flash, uh, if I remember correctly, but it's uh, nice to get that lovely recap. And then we cut to two Osgoods who are like, yo, what up? (laughs) (laughs) One of the Osgoods, of course, wearing uh, the iconic question mark jumper of his Seventh Doctor wore. Yes, and the other one with the big old, big old scarf in it. Big old yeah. scarf. Big old scarf. Uh, I, I appreciate that. I don't. If I did notice it, I didn't remember it from the first time when I watched this air like twenty thousand years ago. Uh, but it, I, I did notice it watching it this time, and I was like, oh, that's a nice touch that I never picked up on before. Just their, their little slight differences in costume. Do you, do you want to guess which ones be an actual be actual Osgood? Because I think the one in the scarf is the real Osgood, right? Yes. I honestly, I, I, have, sh- I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> m- maybe it depends on. Okay, here's my theory. Then it depends on how clothing works for Zygons, and I'll hmm. explain why. When the Zygon first takes over to look like Osgood, she's wearing the long scarf. Now, is that long scarf part of the Zygon's flesh? Or is it clothing that it manifests on top of itself? Because if it's part of the Zygon's flesh, the one with the scarf is still the Zygon one because obviously it can't take the scarf off because it's part of its skin. Whereas the one without the scarf would be the human one because it could remove it. So, that's my two cents. Well, if a Zygon can wear the clothes of the person they're occupying, does that mean if they touch the person, they can just change clothes into what they're wearing? Yeah. So they can change yeah. clothes like that, yeah? yeah that or, can be manifest, or can they manifest their own fashion? Again, you know? it depends on if you consider the clothing a part of their flesh. Yeah. So are they manifesting fabric, or are they just changing what their flesh looks like to look like clothing? <laughs> something i've never thought about but yeah it makes... <laughs> yeah why aren't the zygons naked people you know because <laughs> because then we're watching torchwood scott <laughs> well if you if you remember there is a zygon 2008 movie that's basically described as a soft core porno oh yeah well, we'll, we'll cover it someday <laughs> there's 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 a lot of tentacle suckers involved i'm sure uh, yeah again Moffat really loves his Zygons <laughs> yeah so the, the Osgoods are talking to a camera that they have set up and are basically giving us a lot of exposition uh, to start to fill the first five minutes of the episode to give us the setup uh, where they're like you know 
The Zygons are a peaceful people who just kind of infiltrate cultures and live out the rest of their days for whatever reason in that culture. Uh, don't think about it too hard. It's okay. Also, we've got this box here. Uh, it does. It's like a kill box, essentially, uh, <laughs> is kind of what they're implying. And it'll, it, it'll go off if something goes wrong, but that's the, the nightmare scenario. Anyway, we're probably not going to die. Cut to uh, one of them dead and the other one standing at the grave. Cut back and they're talking like, oh, I hope nothing goes wrong. Uh, but there's 20 million Zygons, so if something goes wrong, it's going to go horrendously wrong. Uh, and then we cut to a pretty uh, iffy looking wide shot off a police station. There's something that just looks slightly too cheap about it for me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I think this whole episode feels a bit cheap to me because if, if it's really just a load of shots where it's just two people in a room, there's not much exterior shots at all. I feel like this is if is yeah, I think this is like a problem with uh, the Capaldi era. Just everything feels so cheap, and I can't really explain why it feels cheap. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, but we cut to a police station with Osgood running inside of it as explosions go off behind her. So you can safely assume that everything is okay and there's nothing to worry about. Okay, I've just noticed something. Uh, so Osgood runs into the police station. She weirdly hides behind a bookshelf for half a second till somebody throws like a grenade in. Then she runs out the room and she goes to hide underneath the desk where she pulls out the phone. She's going to call the doctor as we hear a Zygon enter the room and it's like a horror film. But as the camera's panning across the shelf, there's just an open, like, tub of, uh, what, G-Fuel on the, on the computer desk. It's just, it's directly facing towards cameras, just some G-Fuel. Uh, <laughs> like... Give me a second, I need to see this. <laughs> it's, uh, 3 minutes and 23 seconds exactly is the timestamp I've got it paused on. Right. Give me a second. <laughs> Okay, yes, I see it. It's just yeah, it's just a weird bit of, I guess, product placement. You don't have something facing towards the lens if you don't want it, but it's so fast, it's like a blink and you miss it sort of thing. Maybe it's a, a subliminal yeah. messaging. I don't think it's product placement. It feels more like, oh, but somebody Someone just left it, on they left it there. Yeah, yeah. They, they, put it, they faced it the wrong way. Yeah, They completely forgot about it. It's like a 12-hour shoot and just at the end of the day, we're like... Oh, fuck, I yeah, forgot like, to move it. It's, it's too late to move it. Like the Starbucks brand integration with Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dear God. I don't think nothing can be as bad as that. Why didn't they just Photoshop it out, you know? They didn't notice Did it really... aired because they didn't care. <laughs> Did they really not? No, as, uh, there was also a water bottle like a couple of episodes yeah. later. It's yeah. Just, it, it's yeah. insane how they didn't notice. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Good season for now. Good, good for final <laughs> season, Game of Thrones. I'm so glad I never watched it. <laughs> uh, Osgood sends off the text to the doctor as the Zygon grabs her and electrocutes her forehead. We then cut to the TARDIS as Capaldi jams out on the electric guitar and it sounds groovy as heck. Is he playing God Save the Queen? He's playing Amazing Grace, which Amazing is a reference. Amazing Grace, that's it. Yes, it's a reference to Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 yes. version with Spock and uh, Jeff... Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, yes. Yes, yes. Good film, Invasion <laughs> yes, of the Snatchers. Good film. It's, it's fucking amazing. It's, of course, you can see some of the influences in this episode. It's, of Absolutely. course, about yeah. aliens replacing humans. Yeah. There's two There's two references in this episode. But yeah, that's actually not... He's not 
what we're hearing isn't compiled playing, but he's actually playing it on set. And they replaced it with another version on top of that. Because obviously Capaldi is a rock god. He, he is a, a living rock god. But yeah, I, I, I feel like a guitar playing Doctor is a bit of an odd gimmick. I don't like it. I like Guitar Doctor. Uh, not as much as I like Professor Doctor, but I have a soft spot for Peter Capaldi riding a tank playing electric guitar in, like, what was it, Roman times? <laughs> yeah. I, I hated that moment I, so much. I loved it. I loved it so much. To me, it's such a fun moment. Uh, of because you know everybody's like, "Oh, Capaldi was too grumpy for me." You know, he's too angry of a doctor. I'm like, "Is he? Is he? Is he an angry doctor? Do you think? Look at him. He's just having a blast." <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like a guitar doctor would work well with Professor Doctor. You know, he's just playing a. He's just got acoustic guitar strapped on and then while he's doing lessons, which makes sense, I think. You know? Yeah, yeah, that 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 could, that could work. work. Uh, he just, yeah. But again, it falls into them not knowing what to do with Capaldi's Doctor. Yeah. Uh, with because you know, Rockstar Doctor is one personality. Professor Doctor is another personality. Professor Doctor fits Capaldi better, but I do really enjoy Rockstar Doctor as well. And this is an episode all about identity change. I wonder if it's intentional. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. It's not. <laughs> but again, I must say the, uh, the title sequence still feels like it's just fan made. It doesn't feel like it's very professionally made. The, it for me, it's the planets that show up yeah. uh, in the intro just look low res, <laughs> like they don't yeah. look great. But I, I still kind of like like this intro. I like the theme song. I like the weirdly high-pitched, like, high-keyed, even, theme song compared to normal. Uh, maybe it's just because you've been watching a lot of Jody recently, and Jody's theme song is really deep and low. It's, like, almost dubstep-sounding, yeah. whereas this is the opposite end of that. Uh, and also because I just have a soft spot for Capaldi in general. I don't hate this intro. Uh, we After the intro, we cut to Capaldi sitting on a pair of swings, staring at kids, which sounds weirder than it is. Uh... As he he goes on the phone to call Clara, and Clara's we get the voicemail of Clara, which we hear quite a bit, where she's like, "Oh, I'm either in the tube or I'm in outer space," which I thought was actually a pretty clever we uh, voice message because you know it's haha, we know she's time traveling in space or whatever, but anybody that doesn't know that is just like, "Oh, that's a bad joke, Clara," that <laughs> like uh, which can get gets away with her her traveling in space confession essentially is what it is uh and C capaldi calls himself dr disco which i really enjoyed the random names he kept calling himself in this episode um so capaldi sitting on his swings is another reference to invasion of the body snatchers if you remember the very opening of the film the main character played by brooke adams walks around like a park and she kind of walks past a priest on a swing set who's just staring at her and yeah, another reference. Yeah, Capaldi's kind of creepy in this scene, just sitting there watching kids. For the kids are aliens, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a weird setup. Uh, and, and here's where I kind of question what the fuck these zygons are up to. Like, so we're just regular, we're, we're zygons, but we just feel like, oh, let's go to the swing set, let's go in the monkey bars. Well, they have to blend <laughs> in. Because these, these two Zygons weirdly chose to be children, 
and you assume why? They, you, I don't know why, and you assume they don't have parents since these guys are like the leader Zygons, aren't they? Uh, yes. For, so you assume they're just trying to. Uh, the whole thing falls apart if you start questioning. Yeah. Like, so what's her housing situation? Do they live on their own, or do, do they, they go live to school? With... Do they have childhood yeah. friends? Do they, you know? Do the parents of those kids not wonder where your parents are? Do the school not wonder where your parents are? Uh, where are the other twenty million zygons? <laughs> but. So did these chill these two little girls um agree to become cloned by aliens? Is that what's going on here? It's very strange. I don't understand what's going on because surely these little children don't have consent to being aliens. Again. And also and also these fucking aliens have total access to their memories of these little two ch- yeah. girls. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> thought that hard about it when they were making it. They went, let's do Invasion of the Body Snatchers of the Zygons, and they went, that's a good idea. Y- you know, they didn't really question the logistics of working out 20 million different Zygons that have to clone living 20 million other human beings, uh, because as soon as you do that, you start overcomplicating it, and it doesn't work, because it it's, it just it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. But- yeah, and also... We're able to go to school when there's two other people that look exactly like them. Do they share the same name? Do we kill them? Lock them up? <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 does Earth know about Zygons? We twenty million Zygons, man. It doesn't make Earth sense. Doesn't know about Daleks. <laughs> I think they know about Zygons. They don't know Which, about but... Daleks. They don't know about Cybermen. And Cybermen literally invaded the city as ghosts. Like, but surely at least a couple of people out of these twenty million know that they've been they're being impo- they're being kind of cloned by aliens. Dan right? didn't know what a Cyberman was. <laughs> he travels uh, with the doctor. <laughs> he didn't know what a Cyberman was. There's yeah. no way anybody outside of units knows what a Zygon is. <laughs> There's, there's, there's just so much that doesn't make sense. We just want to break it down. Yeah, yeah, but that's the issue with all of Doctor Who's canon. Which, yeah, honestly, is something that I kind of blame Moffat for, because at least Russell T. Davis had a continuing universe where people became aware of aliens and it changed the world. And then Moffat came in and went, "I don't want to do that." Yeah, I feel like if this was a Russell T. Davis season, he would have probably worked around an entire story arc about Earths being like with, you know, like 20 million Zygons want to come to Earth to live in peace Do how how does Earth react to this? Does, yeah yeah. We'll see. I think it's a, about the different, the time that the episode was written in though, because you think if it was Russell T. Davis writing it back in like what 2005 to not 10 or something, uh it would probably focus more on the immigration aspects because that would be like a hot topic at the time. So it's like, how are we going to house these 20 million people? Where are they going to go? Uh, whereas with this episode, for me anyway, I felt it to be way, way more terrorist cell focused, which if you r- remember what I was talking about earlier the th- on this day, terrorist attacks and cell phone uh, towers and cell phone companies, there were wars all across the Middle East. You know, terrorism is the big issue of the mid 2010s so that's what this episode chooses to focus on rather than the immigration aspect uh of it 
Um, but in other, in other words, um, Beastie Little Girls are played by Sasha and Cleopatra Dickens. Cleopatra. What a good name. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and also having the last name Dickens. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Jesus wow. Christ. She, she's like a, a born, classical. Yeah. That's a fucking born actress name. Yeah. Yeah. Or author of really strange books. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I've, I would like to see an alternate cut of this episode where Capaldi gets stopped by the police officers and has to spend the entire episode trying to break out of jail. <laughs> if we've learned anything from Jody's doctor, he'll just sit down. Uh, and not do anything until Captain Jack saves him. Yeah. Like a true hero. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Jack is also in jail for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, So we cut to a unit... It's not the headquarters, it's just a unit base, isn't it? Uh, Yeah. Where there's a random reference to the First Doctor. uh, Yeah. In a, I would say, blink and you miss it cameo, where he's like a painting on the wall, but they purposely open the shot so that it's focused on on that to do like a weird whip. Uh, So it's almost impossible to miss it, but it's there in case you somehow did. Uh, And it's Kate. What's her last name? Kate, Kate. Oh, no. Bridge Stewart. There we go. Yes. Uh, And she's she's doing her unit business where she's like, oh, the Zygons, we've got to find Osgood. Where is she? Uh, And then they find Osgood pretty quickly. And they're like, oh, there she is. She's been captured by Zygons. and they go into her files. We see that her files have been corrupted with the sentence truth or consequences, uh, which is a pretty fun little catchphrase that the terrorist Zygons say over and over and over again, the truth or consequences. It really reminded me of the Matt Smith. Actually, it's, it's weirdly similar because truth or consequences is a village in what utah isn't it that they discover uh that it's in america it's, it's similar to that western one with matt smith yeah it's it's a it's it's in new mexico and it's a real place actually yeah but so's the there's around you know, the episode with matt smith where i think he's a cowboy fighting off uh another one it's like this weird ass village that also has a stupid name uh because they yeah were, they were um, named mercy it. yes yes mercy yeah 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 these two, these two episodes were roughly shot around the same place as well. I think they're both shot in Spain. Ah, oh, interesting. Um, uh, so if you want to know more about Truth for Consequences, the actual town, uh, the original name was Hot Springs, but in 1950, they changed their name because um, um, Ralph Edwards, the host of the popular NBC quiz show Truth for Consequences, announced that he would air the program on its 10th anniversary from the town but renamed itself after the show. Hot Springs officially changed its name on March 31st, 1950 and the program was broadcast from there that following evening. Worth Which it. is insane. Worth it. <laughs> it's insane. Abs- absolutely worth it. Uh, I mean, it, it will help the town become more of a tourist attraction, but, you know... Well, I, I guess not now, because we don't know the show anymore. Yeah, nobody knows the name. They're like, that's a weird name for a town. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, strange. But, but, but we know about it. It's it's more interesting name than Hot Springs, that's for sure. Yeah, but Hot Springs sounds relaxing. See, if you're going on holiday, oh, that place is called Hot Springs. That sounds like a chill place <laughs> to be. You know, maybe they've got a couple spas where we can just relax. Oh, that place is called Truth or Consequences. I'm going to get shot. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Um, also in this scene, Kate Stewart is with a woman. I can't remember the woman's name, but the original name, uh, the original um, character of this woman was supposed to be. Do you remember that one random extra from Day of the Doctor that I really, really hated? Yes, I thought, I thought his yes, performance like was the, very weak. The, the the like Irish dude, wasn't he? Yeah, it was going to be that dude, and yeah, I'm glad oh. it wasn't that dude. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. I didn't I didn't mind him as much as you hated him. Uh, yeah, but yeah, now I'm, it's just some random I'm, lady. Yeah, I'm very glad he wasn't available that week. <laughs> so Capaldi is uh, running around the children's playground, uh, and I feel like the entire blocking here was just make him go down the slide. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which you know I do appreciate because it was it's it's a fun sight seeing, but like sixty year old Capaldi, I don't know how old he was in 2015. Yeah, he was about 55, I think. Yeah. God, yeah. he looks so much older for his age. Uh, going down the slide. Uh, <laughs> and he's chatting to the two Zygon girls who are the leaders of the Zygons, I guess. Uh, he says that the, it's weird that the leaders would choose to be children. I guess it's a political commentary is what Moffat's yeah. doing there. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit vague about what is actually going on here, isn't it? Yeah, but he keeps calling the Zygons blobbies. Which I appreciate. Uh, I, I I just keep thinking of Mr. Mr. Blobby every time he yeah. says that. Yeah. <laughs> a, a big old throwback to episode one of our podcast. Say, that's, that's a throwback <laughs> way back to the very first podcast episode, isn't it? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and then he gets a phone call. Uh, he answers it and we find out it's uh, Kate Stewart. And what I really appreciated is he was like, are you calling me from your backside again? Implying she's done it before. The the head of unit has accidentally called Capaldi through a pocket dial. Which, which I mean, in the age of smartphones, how exactly do you keep doing that? Like, one, once fair enough, but has anybody pocket dialed anyone in like the last 10 years or so? Yeah, that's what's funny about it, I guess. I mean, it's 2015, <laughs> so phone screens are a bit crapper. So maybe it was maybe it was easier, but you know that you'd assume the head of an international uh, secretive agency about aliens would know how to use the phone. I'm explaining the joke. <laughs> so uh, we cut back to Capaldi after his wee phone call, uh, and the children get attacked by alien terrorists. They throw what some weird smoky blob. Uh, at them that produces orange smoke and uh, the children get kidnapped by the van, the doctor runs after them and then we just cut away we we cut off yeah. to the unit facility the doctor doesn't really chase them uh, too hard yeah. <laughs> uh, but we cut away to the doctor looking at the Osgood uh, footage that the Zygons made her film It's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? terrorist footage basically where she's like you know fulfill our demands uh, yeah. speaking for them, or there will be truth or consequences, etc., etc. And the doctor, he's using his phone a lot this episode. Decides to call, yeah. decides to call Clara, uh, who still isn't answering the phone. And I really enjoy the Clara plotline in this episode. I I think I like the twist at the end more than anything. Mm. But I like the idea of the doctor not getting being able to get hold of the companion, uh, and the companion discovering this thing's happening essentially on her own uh it, it was a fun wee twist that what happens with clara yeah clara is a weird companion because she was never really a proper companion she just kind of went and came as she wanted to like one season one season one ep one 
batch of episodes she was with the Doctor, full stop. And then sometimes she's just living her life in London, just being a teacher, which is she... really unique. Yeah, Clara had the problem of the same, I guess the same problem Capaldi had. They didn't know what to do with her. You know, so like the first season, she's like the mystery. Oh, who is she? Uh, and then it turns out she's the most important person ever because she jumped into the doctor's timeline and, you know, saved him and made him make all these decisions and stuff like that. Uh, and then they're like, okay, now what are we going to do with her? Because we've just made her the most important person in the doctor's life. Well, uh, I guess she could try and domesticate and, you know, give her the life of a teacher, uh, which they did that for a season, Danny Pink, and it was terrible. And <laughs> And then what was she after that? Did she just this season, she's still a teacher. She's still a teacher. They just don't focus on it as much, do they? Yeah. Yeah, because last season they were focused on it a lot, and it was, yeah, it was and, really bad. And Kill the Moon had that awful edition of uh, one of her students, Courtney, yeah. in the cast. It yeah. was the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's also the same with the really bad episode where London turns into a forest. It's just yeah, with her students God. So that one's terrible as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't 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 have children actors in Doctor Who unless they're used in this kind of capacity where it's just oh they're aliens and they get kidnapped after two minutes. Great, because <laughs> because yeah. Doctor Who needs less children actors. I think it doesn't have too many off the top of my head. Just the ones that have aren't great, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think this episode, Clara is probably at her best. I think it's it's um, interesting just seeing her on her own and actually doing stuff rather than she doesn't have to look at her hand looking at the message. What, what would, would the, the doctor, doctor do? do? Uh, <laughs> yes, I agree with that, uh, and I think it plays into Clara's death. Yeah, I think it played into Clara's death really well in that she became so full of herself, thinking she could survive the same as the doctor you know thinking she could do the stuff the doctor's doing because she's been traveling with him for so long she knows the in and out she knows what he would do she doesn't need to write it on her hand as you said you know she she just knows and it inevitably gets her killed uh which i always really like with companions because it you know shows that you know the doctor takes these people along but nobody but the doctor could really be doing these things yeah, one hundred percent. I think I'm starting to like Clara a bit more, but I haven't seen her full run of episodes in a while. I know series seven was kind of rough because every episode she felt like a different person. But uh, this episode is Clara at her best still, I think. Clara gets a lot of hate. Uh I really I, I, I do kinda like Clara. I think one of the reasons why you might be coming round to her is you're watching a Doctor Who companion that has a personality. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which you've been deprived of for, like, three seasons. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, the, the, last two, the last three seasons had a funny old man. That's a personality, that's, that's right? That's true. They do, they do have funny old man. Uh, <laughs> Then we get into a rather dark part. There's two really dark parts in this episode. And this is the first part with Clara. She's walking up the, uh, I assume the stairs to her flat. She's in their building, checks her phone. There's 127 missed calls from the doctor. So she's like, okay, I'll listen to the first one. Hello, it's Dr. Disco. We've heard that message already. And then she bumps into the a wee boy called Sandeep, who's, you know, he's sitting there crying. He's like, I can't find my mommy and daddy. 
She's like, oh, it's okay. I'll go find them for you. You know, I'm a school teacher. I know how to deal with kids, whatever. She 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 walks into the flat and suddenly everything feels a little bit off. And it's a, it's a slight change in tone from Capaldi going down the slide at the school, at the park. Yeah, Clara basically walks into a really dark apartment, which really uh, differentiates it from the very bright hallway. And also the cameras are at a Dutch angle, which is very good use of Dutch angles in this two-parter, I think. Also, if you remember, her flat is actually the same building as uh, the same building that Rose lived in. So, which is an interesting comparison. Also, her theme song feels interesting here. It it, it sounds very tropical when it kicks in. (laughs) Uh, I really like, as well, the almost tragic detail of the scared little boy Sandeep because his parents are obviously being taken over by Zygons and they're not acting like his parents and he realizes that you know he's like oh wait no you're you're not my parents and it's freaking him out but you know obviously Clara sees them she's like oh Sandeep's looking for you and he's like oh well I'll go get him and then you know the next thing we see is him screaming and (laughs) fighting for his life as his parents take him into a back room uh and it's yeah. it's a dark scene. It's a dark scene. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Also in this room, there's a mirror that clearly shows Clara. There's two Claras in the room, which is a nice little touch I never noticed before. Yeah, that is. That's like a wee foreshadowing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's great. That is, that's a clever bit of foreshadowing. Especially because Clara's behind the uh, Zygon. The reflection of Clara is standing behind the Zygon, staring back at Clara. Yeah, yeah that's 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 a good bit there. Also, the music here is uh, riffing off of the Terror of the Zygons music from the Fourth Doctor here, which is a nice little subtle hint of that uh, music from that episode. We need to do Terror of Zygons one day. It's set in Scotland. It's great. Yeah, but is it set in Aberdeen? Nothing set in Aberdeen. <laughs> oh, there's there's a Capaldi has an episode set in Aberdeen. Just you know, yeah, <laughs> way back in the picked era of Scotland when Aberdeen's not a city. So it's like and, uh, equivalent. Yeah. And also the episode is apparently really bad. It's like the only episode I have never seen. It's it's okay. I've watched it recently. It's okay. It fu- it suffers being right before the really good finale. You know, yeah. It's, it's like a mediocre episode before the incredible finale. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. Uh, then we see Clara coming out the flat and detail I never noticed before. She's tying up her hair. Uh, into a ponytail, which is something Clara really never does, is it? I, I uh, yeah, yeah. When has she ever had her hair done up in a ponytail? Like, I, I never saw the twi- like. I, when I first saw the episode, I never saw the twist coming, and I'd forgotten enough details that I didn't see the twist coming again, and it caught me off guard. And I was like, oh god damn, that's good. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I just completely forgot about the twist, and at first I was thinking this was like a. Uh, her, she was changing her hair because she was like, oh, now I figured out what's going on here. I should call the doctor to make sure things are all right. But it's it's changing her hair to be like, oh, yeah, a different, I'm, I'm, different. I'm a different person yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. See, I, when I saw her tying up her hair, I was I was thinking like, you know, it's more of a thinking sort of thing where she's thinking yeah. about what just happened to those, pe- like with those parents. Yeah. Like that was a bit of a weird scenario. Let me just like fiddle with my hair a bit and just never, never clicked with me that she would turn into a Zygon. Like spoilers, obviously for the twist. Also, also speaking of uh, Danny, you know why she called Bonnie? 
She's called Bonnie in the reference to Bonnie and Clyde. So originally there was going to be another Zygon with her who looked exactly like Danny Pink. And uh. they'd be like partners in crime, which I'm, I guess the actor wasn't available. I hate the I'm, Danny <laughs> Pink storyline so much. I'm glad he's not in it. It made, <laughs> it made no sense that Danny Pink did it. It made no sense and then he yeah. died. <laughs> like Yeah. Um. So yeah, Um. we were going to bring back... Danny Pink as a Zygon, which would have made no sense because Zygons can't link to a person when the person is dead. Unless they've changed it, I don't understand the two. I don't understand how Osgood Zygon yeah, might they, exist. They it's just, very... They just changed the rules. My thinking to it, uh, and again, we've not seen part two yet, so maybe part two answers this question for us, and we're just about to prove ourselves to be very foolish. But uh, without seeing part two, my thinking for it is that that's human Osgood and she's just lying yeah. and she's just flat out lying. <laughs> like... Yeah, but he, still, if it's humans Osgood, Capaldi wouldn't have to keep asking her, are you a Zygon or a human? Because yeah, no, like obviously one of them died. I feel like she would lie to keep up the masquerade because even if she lets mm. the doctor know, you know, it's better that everybody assumes one of them is a, that she could be a Zygon to keep the essence of the truce alive i guess so this scene kind of explains the whole zygon situation basically the zygons came and they were allowed to permanently uh take a form of the nearest person which still doesn't make a lot of sense like it makes sense as to where they got the forms from like yeah but it doesn't make sense as to where the 20 million clone human beings now are yeah what were they doing where did they go did nobody notice them where did they come from cotton eye joe yeah <laughs> yeah exactly all those questions uh, but again i don't think the focus of the episode's really on that i think it, the focus of the episode's on the crisis of something's yeah. gone wrong with this uh 100 but still i this question is just at the back of my mind the entire time i'm watching this i'm very confused about this whole situation it's very weird uh, they walk into the Zygon High Command base. So uh, my theory that I've just had is the 20 million Zygons were just kind of chilling out underground in whatever wherever place they... Because they go through a school and then they're suddenly in an underground like Zygon base. So maybe, the, maybe they were just living underground like mole men. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but the doctor goes up to the Zygon High Command thing. He says a bunch of gibberish about, oh, the Zygons will be connect- cut off from it and they'll be panicking and whatever. Uh, and then he starts kind of pouring water on it and rubbing it gently. And Clara, not Clara, is like, do you want to be alone with that? And he says, oh, you need to titillate the fron- titillate the fronds uh, to make it work. And that's just a great sentence, really. But also, what is up with all the Zygon wanting the fuck of the Zygons bit? Like, well, it's a carryover from... All, they've got all those suckers, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> what else are they for? Also, around this scene, there would have been a reference to di- Dimensions in Time, which is the 30th anniversary crossover with EastEnders, which would have made that canon. Because wow. um, there's a point where Clara's like... Uh, there's a point where the doctor's like, I'm a bit hazy on a lot of these Zygon ceasefire details, alright. It was a thousand years ago, as far as I'm concerned. Clara would reply with, well, there were three of you, multiple versions of you. And the doctor would reply with, oh, you mean that time with the red bubbly fellas, and I was sitting in a TV set, a reference to the 10th anniversary of Three Doctors. 
Um, and he was like, or that time with a fruity-voiced guy in a pointy hat playing with his dollies, which is a reference to the 20th anniversary. And then the Doctor would be like, or that time when Big Ron was there, which is an EastEnders character, and if you remember, the deal with Dimensions in Time is that viewers would vote for who would be saved by the who would save the Doctor in the final episode. And one of the options was Big Ron, a background character in EastEnders. Classic. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, that would have been made canon, which is wild to think about. So the Doctor uh, turns on the Zygon base command thing by titillating the fronds, and he uh, discovers other Zygons all over the world, and they're getting more and more panicked about, you know, what if people find out we're Zygons? What are they going to do? Are they not going to like us if they find out we're Zygons? Basically, everybody's getting radicalized or getting panicked by the radicalization. And then uh, the Doctor gets shown a video that gets sent to Kate with the two wee girls that got kidnapped that the Doctor decided he didn't want to worry about for, for, uh, for the moment, uh, where they get forced to turn back into looking like Zygons and then murdered dead by the other Zygons, which is a pretty pretty fun little dark bit of the episode, isn't it? Yeah, if you remember, videos like this was all over the news at the time with ISIS just emerging, and yeah, it's pretty pretty hard to watch. This is like the most political Doctor Who episode of the modern era, I would say. Like, uh, I, uh, the, <laughs> yeah, the I know politics. Man, <laughs> I know politics don't exist in Doctor Who until she, until, uh, the, Doctor, and, until the woman yeah, and, came. Yeah, yeah, until, yeah, until, yeah, until women got invented on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> but yeah, like not even like um, World War Three had this much politics when I mean, that's fucking set in Downing Street, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a pretty politically heavy episode. Uh, these two parters are for sure, and the, the Doctor's speech in the next part. Who? Yes, <laughs> yes. And also, um, the the logo of a terrorist organization looks like a monster munch. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, it does look like a monster munch. I haven't had a monster munch in ages. Uh, <laughs> but the the two girls get killed. And we cut to another Zygon who's like, I'm in charge now. Truth or consequences. Ha ha ha. Yeah, that's exact dialogue. You should write for Doctor Who. You know what? I agree. <laughs> Uh, and then speaking of this episode not being political at all, Kate says that she's not going to negotiate with the Zygons and she's just going to bomb them from where they are. Uh, and the doctor goes, you're just going to bomb them? Can you not, you know, t chat with them and be peaceful? And she's like, well, they don't want to be peaceful with us, so we're going to bomb them. And the doctor responds with, if you bomb them, you're just going to radicalize the Zygons that aren't radical. I, I don't feel yeah. it. See... I, w I would have mistaken that to be a political statement, but he's talking about Zygons, and obviously Zygons aren't real, so... Yeah, yeah Zygons... Duh. Uh, pink, yeah. pink bubbly people don't exist in yeah, real life, yeah, there's so it's no, not there's, a there's, political there's, statement. There's, it's not because Zygons don't exist, so... There's nothing else yeah. he could be talking about when he's saying, if you, <laughs> if you bomb a country full of innocent people, you'll just radicalize them for whatever terrorist cells in charge at the time. There's I, But he's Zygons, so there's there's no connection there. Also, I just wish Kate was used more and not as... Like, when she came back last year, Kate was just nothing character. They need to she bring her back and... the snake guy. <laughs> but she did nothing. She figured him out. She was like, you're a snake guy. <laughs> but, 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 but here, I think 
she does a great job of replacing the Brigadier from the classic era because she's a lot like him in this scene, and I think it's a great scene just as a third Doctor Pertwee fan. It's it's great to watch. Capaldi's got such a weird energy in this episode uh, where uh, they find out that Truth or Consequences is the village in New Mexico, as we've discussed with the, you know, renaming it to be a trivial after uh, Game Show or whatever. Uh, so the Doctor sends Kate off to Truth or Consequences, and then he starts referring to himself in the third person. He's like, and the Doctor will go to Turkmenistan, and, he, you know, he's going to negotiate peace and stuff like that, because that's what he does. And he, like, inflects his voice weirdly, like he's a gangster. <laughs> I'm like, this is such a weird energy you're giving me, Capaldi. And then we cut to him right aboard a big plane and he does the Richard Nixon pose <laughs> as he's leaving the White House. He just... <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> but, but again, it can't be a, a Richard Nixon reference. Richard Nixon is politics and there's no such thing as politics in Doctor Who. Of course, yeah. I, or I think it was Nixon from Futurama yeah. that, that he was referencing. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing that uh, as they're walking away from the plane in which Capaldi boards when Kate's talking about the previous Zygons invasions, that these are classic Who episodes uh, yeah. to make all the the, the nerds go, ha ha, I, I see that. I saw that one. <laughs> oh, it's an extra nerdy joke, Mafi. Do you want to know why? Yeah, go there, was only, there was only one Zygon invasion. Okay, but she it. says yeah. 70s or 80s, and this is a unit, another unit dating controversy reference. Yeah, and also nobody, in, nobody knows yeah. when the Doctor Who was set. Yeah. <laughs> and also in in the cut draft of it there was going to be another reference the doctor would ask uh osgood do you have a partner boyfriend or and osgood would be like you know you kind of give up dating if you have anything to do with unit get it you give up on dating haha <laughs> right okay i do get it. that actually took me a minute i was like what are you talking about and yeah yeah okay i get it and also um there's a really cheeky reference to harry sullivan who is a naval surgeon who was the companion with sarah jane with the fourth doctor in his first season so yeah some some good we 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 references here so uh they say goodbye uh from the plane and everything like that they go off on their missions clara's like actually i need to stop off home first ha 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 uh which catches the random assistant lady off guard and she's like oh uh, yeah okay i guess we can go back to your home uh which initially i'm like that's a weird thing to add in because i had forgotten about the twist where clara is just setting this lady up to be killed <laughs> like, yeah because uh, they they go back to the flat uh they come out of the flat and we see uh, Sandeep's parents who are shoveling his body into an elevator being like, quickly, let's get him in there. Uh, and uh, Clara and that witness it and they're like, oh, well, we can chase them because the elevator is really slow. They get to the bottom of the, of the ground. The elevator opens. It's empty. Dun, dun, dun. They climb into the elevator and there's goo all over the buttons. And it's just, it's a pretty gross looking practical effect. Well, um, just the parents dragging away of a child is just as he's muffled screaming just is terrifying it's really bleak yeah yeah it's it's a it's a pretty dark dark two-part episode uh yeah this was around the time when um there was more complaints about doctor who being too violent for children i think well anyway i think it's like a four every four years somebody complains about doctor who being too yeah. dark too moody too violent too many women yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's, yeah it's it's you know it's uh 
when Moffat put Capaldi in, it, his whole idea was to make Dark Doctor yeah. a bit more dark, and it really didn't work for that first season. But it really works in this season because it's deep, yeah. which I think is really it's more that it it didn't work in the first season because the episodes were mainly bad, and that's what held it back. Whereas in season two, he's like, oh wait, no, I have ideas again. <laughs> if you here here it's because it's political well politics don't exist but if it did here it's because it feels real and authentically dark because it's political it's a reflection of what's actually going on in the real world which i think yeah, or, doctor who should do more often or it would be if zygons existed at least <laughs> uh, we need to stop doing this bit <laughs> <laughs> what bit uh, <laughs> Uh, so they step out of the elevator into a big underground tunnel. We see the wee kid screaming for his life as he gets pulled around the corner. Uh, Clara and a random assistant hide up behind a wall. There's a bunch of uh, Zygons, or I mean, they're just regular people, but they're implied to be Zygons, uh, that are walking about. And Clara's like, oh, we, sh we should go and get a bit more help here. This is a bit tricky. And they run off into deeper into the tunnel. I don't know why they run deeper into the tunnel. Why not just go back into yeah. the lift? It going back into the lift, calling for help would be a much better strategy. But you know, yeah. Doctor Who, you need to get go Run deeper in, and also, yeah. Also, I guess Bonnie is leading her on to yeah. the Zygon room. Yeah, I, I guess. But we, but we do get reinforced. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's as if she knew the way out. Yeah, I guess she would because she's you know a Zygon. But go back in the lift. You know, play along with the assistant that doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> The assistant is pretty clueless, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, but I like to think it's more because she's totally out of her depth and she's panicking. Yeah. Uh, which you see a bit when they're up against the wall and we see people walk by. Clara remains stoic. One, she's a Zygon, but two, because she's travelled with the Doctor, she's brave, she's used to that stuff, whereas the assistant is like, oh my god, <laughs> and like starts breathing heavily. Uh, it's just because of that pure panic. Yeah, that lady definitely feels like she's not been on the field that often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we cut to Turk Turk Turkmenistan, Turkmenistan, where I think that's what they said it was. Uh, as the we're at some military camp, we've got a big drone coming in to bomb somebody again. I'm sure there's nothing political about a drone blowing somebody up. As the doctor walks into the army camp and he's like, "At ease, everybody. President of the world here, Doctor Funkenstein," uh, which. I get Capaldi's so weird in this episode. <laughs> I I love it. <laughs> but but also this scene has a great Harriet Jones reference as he's like, I'm the president of the world and the unit lady's like, Yes, we know who you are. Yeah, yeah. Such a great also that woman is played by Rebecca Front, who is from the thick of it, also starring Capaldi. And her character was supposed to be Bambera, which is the brigadier from Battlefield, way back in Battlefield, but I guess the actress was unavailable, so, you know, it, it had to be replaced by some random nobody, but at least uh, Capaldi got to work with his friend again. Yeah. So the drone lady is about to blow up the the, the village, uh, and she gets the orders to do it, but the Zygons come to the door, and they shapeshift into her family, and that made me question, can Zygons shapeshift through cameras? They can get a psychic yeah, connection through a camera? Yeah, there's a lot of this going on in this episode. Like, later on, there's a Zygon dressed as somebody's mum. It's just like, can Zygons do that? Because I can't remember them doing that in the classic era. It's didn't, very weird. Didn't they need we, to we touch need... somebody 
to yeah usually to establish the psychic connection but now they're just able to do it through you would assume hundreds of yeah. miles away like it's it's a very loose um use of zygons in here just they don't play with rules that well yeah, and it it's never explained it. yeah it's like the angels but at least they try to explain some of the angels uh, the image of the angel becomes an angel. That's an explanation of sorts, but yeah. it's kind of like uh, if, if, to me, it feels like the twenty million zygons that are dispersed around the place. You know, it's just a detail that yeah. they need to make the story function that they really didn't want to figure out too much about because then it becomes really hard. You know, this is about the uh, you know, it's it's some pretty heavy-handed metaphor on, not even a metaphor, it's just straight-up criticism on drone strikes. And, you know, would you blow up your own family if you saw them with the drone? You know, but they're somebody else's, you know, it's it's pretty pretty simple uh, metaphor to disassemble, but it's having to stretch the hoops to make it fit into the Zygon story that they just decided, ah, psychics, connection. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the biggest problem with this is definitely that they have to... This is status quo changing stuff in Doctor Who universe, but we, we need to acknowledge it to make it work, but we just don't acknowledge it. Therefore, it feels very confusing and just out of place in the rest of a series. Like, it just feels like an alternative dimension or something. It's yeah. very strange. That being said, it's a great episode, though. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's great, but yeah. we're, nit, we're nitpicking yeah. a bit. But it's, it's, a, it's an odd one for sure. Yeah. Uh, so we're in Truth or Consequences, U-S-A, as the yeah. uh, <laughs> the text on the screen wants to tell us. Uh, and we're watching uh, Kate Stewart walk around the town for about a minute and a half. As we're just establishing, you know, themes and motifs and s- what the village is like. It's pretty abandoned. There's a random dog barking in the distance throughout most of it. Uh and you know there's there's some music playing she's looking around there's a really good sign that says no british and no dogs which makes it funnier that there's a dog barking and we're watching a british lady <laughs> walk around the village i just made that connection now that's pretty great uh <laughs> um but she she's walking around she eventually pulls out her gun and walks towards the sheriff station which we watched osgood run into earlier in the episode and the only thing that i noticed that was weird is that she's wearing very thin high heels uh uh, that's a weird outfit choice to wear to tr- walk around this village in New Mexico while you're on duty and you've got a gun and you're about to go see Zygons. Why would you choose? Yeah, yeah, no, stilettos, please. That's yeah. That- um, <laughs> it reminds me of uh, Jurassic World yes, where yes, Bryce was it? Is it Bryce Dallas Howard? Howard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just wears high heels Runs throughout the full entire force film through the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also the color, the color gradient has to be yellow because it's near Mexico, and of course Mexico is yellow. Yeah, it's not color gradient. <laughs> that's that's how it looks. That's what I've been taught. That's just how it looks. <laughs> but also, apparently, this is um, the same location as Christmas Town from Time of the Doctor. It's like a, it's like an old army training base that's been abandoned for years, and we just film it, we film there sometimes, which is interesting good use of resources that's what that is that's a good use of resources and you can't tell it's christmas town because christmas town wasn't yellow yeah yeah because it wasn't <laughs> in mexico it was on what transalor i don't know a town, a town called christmas yeah it was on transalor because that's where the doctor died or died <laughs> they love doing doctor death storylines don't they they really do 
So Kate walks into the police station uh, where she's looking around, walking on broken glass, and it's, it's all very uh, atmospheric. And uh, then she gets confronted by a policeman officer lady who... Uh, there, there's always a cop in Doctor Who. Have you noticed that? There's always, yes. there's always a cop, no matter what. Uh, but they... Uh, you know they're pointing a gun at Kate, and they're like, "Are you one of them? You know, did you bring back Brack up? Why are you here?" Uh, and you know, this episode plays the same twist <laughs> like two or three times, and each time it got me uh, because obviously, you know, spoiler alert for this podcast or for this episode that we're spoiling as we're going through it. But uh, the cops obviously a Zygon, uh, and I I didn't get that the first when I was rewatching this I totally forgot that she also everybody's a Zygon in this episode yes there is a, certainly a lot of uh, Zygon twists but you know it keeps the things interesting who to trust yeah it, yeah. and also also you didn't realise because you're very dumb haha wow <laughs> you're you're mean and you're mean. you got a point <laughs> uh, so the pace of the episode is starting to pick up a bit as we're cutting between scenes because we've got three characters in three different locations. Uh, so we're with the doctor and the army unit lady, uh, and they're chatting about something. Uh, you know, basically, you know, you're being paranoid. And then she's like, I'm not being paranoid. Literally anybody could be a Zygon, and I'm just going to shoot them all in the face. Uh, and that's the, the essence of that scene. And we then cut over to Clara and the assistant, where the assistant seems to have kind of gotten her stuff together. Uh, she's like, okay, so I've got CCTV footage for every goddamn elevator in London basically and look they're all freaky and weird and glitching out people are taking bundles of bodies in and they're vanishing when they go down in the elevator uh which is uh, you know the assistant lady is a relatively forgettable character but I do quite like her I think she's she does a pretty good job in the in the role He's certainly a lot better than than the guy from <laughs> Day of the Doctor <laughs> I get, I don't think he was bad either but also, the Murray Gold uh, soundtrack in here is very unique for this episode. It's like a thriller western type mm -hmm. vibe to it. It's very good because I think the problem with Murray Gold in the later era of the show is his music got rather repetitive, but here it just feels all brand new music and it's a good jam. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we were with Kate and the police officer again, and they're they're just kind of chatting about what happened to the village where all the British people arrived in the village, turned into Zygons, murdered everybody, oh no, and also Osgood was here, but didn't know what happened to her. Just, you know, building up that, still, this episode's set up, it's part one of a part two, so we're just setting up, you know, the moving pieces, and the giving some, some backstory to the Zygons without over-explaining how any of the process works, because it doesn't work, it's a, a non-functioning process, but, hey oh. And also, we're, when you're, we're about to come up to the best scene in the episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Also, when um, Kate is looking at some of the files, you'll see some of the addresses are seventy-seven made-up crescent and <laughs> ten fictional clothes. So yeah, good, yeah. good, good uh, street addresses here. Yeah, that's good. So the best scene in the entire episode plays next. Uh, it's not the best scene in the story, the two parts in general, because obviously that's the war speech. It's one of the reasons why we're covering this. But the this scene is uh, the doctor is with the army folk and they're outside this sweet village and they're like, we got intel, all the Zygons are held up in that church. Let's go try not to murder everybody uh, and let's find Osgood. 
Doctor and Commander, we're going to the back of the church, so Soldier Boys, we're leaving you on your own to do it. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. Okay. <laughs> they, they go on up to the church, Doctor and that run around the side. Uh, they fire a gun a few times to bring people out the church, and who steps out the church but Soldier Guy's mother? Oh, no. Uh, and then it just becomes a really, really well-written scene about the yeah. uh, the Zygon mother trying to convince her, I guess, the, the son, uh, that she's the real mother. And, uh, you know, at first I was like, you know, is the logic here going to make sense? If you're a highly trained secret government military guy and you know you're going after shapeshifters, is one going to be your mother going to really make you hesitate? But it was the line where she's like, they're lying to you. They're the ones that are aliens and they're trying to trick you into killing me. Where like, there you go. That's the good psychological uh, manipulation to make him question what he's doing. Uh also, it's, it's pretty crazy that these Zygons somehow managed to capture every single family member of a person, of all the people in this Again, military I, facility. I, it's I, weird. It, it, it must be their new psychic powers they have, because it, yeah. <laughs> it's the only explanation you can get away with for how that works, is they have to yeah. psychically connect to the person, like through the drone, unless they know everybody in unit. <laughs> that's coming after yeah. them and who's going to be piloting the drone that day like <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy also after this scene there was supposed to be a point where Walsh who's like the main unit person with the doctor uh, the woman uh, there was a scene where she she would see her son and we would actually see her shoot her son dead oh, oh, <laughs> yeah that would have been really impressed really depressing just watching a five-year-old get shot on television yeah, yeah. i'm glad we cut that out <laughs> it's, it's it's bleak enough as it is i think this episode yeah i i think also that this scene gets the point that they're trying to say across yeah uh, and doing it again it just kind of seems a bit tacky at that point <laughs> And then as as the Zygon is playing, dying on the floor, the Doctor would be like, he's still a living thing. Oh, and Walsh wow. would be like, not for much longer. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. That's a good line, I'll give him that. <laughs> but also, yikes. Yeah, yikes. It's like 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. <laughs> the whole family watching a five-year-old die on the floor. It's, yeah. Yeah, good, good wholesome fun. But uh, anyway, all the soldiers, uh, I, I assume all the Zygon, other Zygons come out and I, I'm assuming that they're shapeshift to be the body, the families of the other soldiers. Uh, otherwise, that one guy's got a massive family. Uh, and, <laughs> and they convince all the soldiers to just walk into the church and, you know, because nothing could go wrong if they all walk into the church, I'm sure. And, you know, they all die. What do you think of Marigold's soundtrack for this scene? Do you think it's too on the nose, sad soundtrack? Because you always have to do a fine line when you're doing sad stuff and adding music, because music can manipulate a scene into making it seem more tragic than it actually is, or it can heavily complement a scene. So I think it complements yeah, it pretty well. It's 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 a bit sappy, but I think it's. A a little bit overpowering and a little bit sappy, as you said. But yeah, overall, I think it's a decent enough job. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, 
when I originally was watching this in like what 2015 when it first aired, I really wasn't paying attention to the soundtrack of Doctor Who like ever. Uh, I you know obviously when like the cool bits came in, I'd get excited because the soundtrack was making me feel excited. But it wasn't anything I ever listened out for. It's not really until we started doing the podcast really that I started listening out for Murray Gold soundtrack stuff a bit more. Uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I was see I was obsessed with soundtrack as a kid. I remember watching Doctor Who at the proms like every two years, just listening to the soundtrack and thinking yeah, see, but it was like, like the best thing ever. I, I've ne- I don't even know what Doctor Who at the proms is, so I I, I, <laughs> I, I, I really I didn't watch live TV like at all. I watched The Simpsons You're- on Channel Four, and <laughs> I watched Doctor Who. And any other time, I was like watching Star Wars on DVD or playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> you're pretty depressing man no it was a good time it was a good time uh so the soldier lady tells the doctor that she's gonna bomb the hell out of everywhere because uh, her men are now dead the doctor says no we need to find osgood and she says well you've got 10 minutes and she leaves then the doctor finds osgood immediately uh really it took no time at all if she just waited there they could have got her and gone and then bombed it without the 10 minute delay but uh, he finds Osgood chained up in a, like the basement bit below, and she tells the Doctor that all the Zygons are heading back over to the UK uh, because they're going to take over the UK, basically. And then, honest, I, I honest to God thought uh, Osgood was going to be an imposter just because it yeah. was so easy to find her, and yeah, it was just so easy to get her out of there. <laughs> it's like immediately, <laughs> yeah, immediately he finds her. Like, like I know, I know she may be a Zygon already, but I thought she was a double saigon uh, the, the episode's kind of like oh no we have 15 minutes left uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we, we've got to we've got to quicken the pace here a bit uh but they they find uh osgood gets her out of the chair and you know osgood's like is there anybody else left in uh the uk that could help and the doctor's like there's clara and then a uh zygon goes clara and it, it holds out its hand kind of like an invasion of the body snatchers is what i assume they were doing a wee reference to there with the zygon you know the ending of invasion of the body snatchers where the guy's like ah uh but instead it goes <laughs> clara so <laughs> uh, what a great impression of the end thank you thank you uh i did i i obviously starred in the film of invasion of the body <laughs> snatchers uh but yeah it was uh, it's a it's a fine we scene it's just really funny how fast that the doctor found uh osgood and then also how fast the bombs come because they come immediately yeah. and the doctor's like oh well, okay she must have just started bombing us and didn't wait the 10 minutes uh which you know she yeah, was, it- she was going to kill the doctor quite happily there that that soldier it- lady it definitely felt like a couple of pages were cut out or something, or maybe the scene afterwards was supposed to take place in between the two scenes, and you're like, yeah. it fits better if we do this? I don't know. It's very bizarre pacing. Yeah. We cut very briefly to Kate uh, for, like, ten seconds, where the, sol- the police uh, man officer lady uh, is showing her a bin full of hair, uh, <laughs> which is the only part that survives after a Zygon zaps you for whatever reason. It's just a big ball of hair, uh, and it's just a bin full of them. And then she closes it, and we see like four or five uh, other bins also full with hair. And we're like, "Oh no, they killed the village," which is information we already got, but now we're seeing it. So uh, the special effects in the hair is a bit weird because the camera s- slightly moves, but the electricity effects doesn't move with the camera. It's like an old-school, classic-era kind of a special effect. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah, I, I thought the effects were kind of groovy-looking. Uh, but, yeah. 
Groovy, are you from the seventies? <laughs> yeah, I told I was an invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, oh yeah, of course, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> uh, we're then with Clara and the assistant for, uh, again, a very brief moment. We're uh, cutting around like crazy because there's a lot of pieces they're trying to get into place at the set, uh, with the last 10 minutes of the episode now. Uh, they're walking down the tunnels of London again, back towards the Zygons. And the assistant's like, doesn't the world feel like it's ending? And Clara's like, nah, you're just old. Old people think the world's ending, you old, dumb person. <laughs> uh, and that's the scene. That's that's the entire purpose of the scene. Uh, but there's, it's, it is actually a true fact that uh, statistically, people think the world's going to end the older they get because... Mm-hmm. I, I think it, there's like an actual mathematical reason behind it, but basically it boils down to human morality and your own sense of being where it's hard to imagine the world continuing on without you for the next hundred thousand years and it's much more likely in your head that oh no this is the end of it everything's happened before now we're at the end uh, <laughs> but no time doesn't stop and we're all gonna die so it just feels like the world is going to end because politics keeps keeps on getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, my but dude. like politics have always been crazy. What do you think it was like, like during medieval times when you've got like, uh, oh, who was the king that had all the wives? Oh, Boris Johnson. Oh my god, what was his name? How have I forgotten? His- I've Henry heard- VIII. Henry, the- yeah. When you've got Henry the Eighth, is you know, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. And you're like, oh my god, that king's going mental. How many women is he? Be-? This is the end of it. Crown's coming down after this. There's no coming back. Yeah, you know, everything's always the worst thing when it's happening. But trust me, it can get so much worse. It can get True. so much worse, and it will. And it's going to be great. So. <laughs> also to, uh, to piggyback off your point about the pacing of this episode it feels like the entirety of Resurrection of the Daleks which we covered last year yeah. where every every scene was like 15 seconds yeah. long yeah and it took us like 3 <laughs> hours to get through all the scenes <laughs> so uh, the Doctor and Osgood board the president of the world's plane which is of course the doctor uh the doctor tries calling clara but again gets the voicemail and he tells her that she needs a new voicemail message because he's heard it so many times at this point um uh, he then starts talking about osgood's outfit this is a very nostalgia heavy episode for random moments there's a lot of like nostalgia beats for classic who i guess because it's zygons and you want to call back to classic who a bit uh where she's wearing the question marks on her and the doctor's like, oh, question marks, I used to wear those. And she's like, yeah, you did. You don't wear them anymore. And he's like, oh, no, I, st- I still wear I still wear question marks on my underpants, which uh, Osgood's got the great line of, it makes you wonder what the question is. Uh, <laughs> which, yeah, yeah, it, it does make you wonder what the question is there. Well, yeah, it's pretty much been established before that Osgood is a Doctor Who fan girl. Yes. And she yes. just, like, Doc- in the in the 50th anniversary, she wore the fourth Doctor scarf. So it makes sense that she goes into the, oh, I want to wear the John Nathan-Turner outfits. All the question marks. Also, John Nathan-Turner loved his outfits. <laughs> also, this plays into my theory that she's the human one. Because the one with the scarf is the one that died. And the one, yeah, with, but the, you know, the one with the scarf yeah. was the Zygon because that was the that was the Zygon's flesh, and so she's the human because she doesn't have the <laughs> scarf anymore because she can get not get away with not wearing the scarf. 
they oddly try and explain the new rules of the Zygons. Um, there's a point where uh, Osgood is like, those were the old rules. The new Zygons don't have to change back when the old person dies, so she, I guess she could be Zygon. Yeah, it's no, very but, bizarre. but she's not. She's human. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that, that new rule's been added in for like, a, ooh, maybe she is a Zygon. But no, she's, if you look at the facts, the way that I've manipulated them to be, she's the human. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. When you manipulate facts, as we all know, they're true, yes. yes. Oh, there's also a reference to the hybrid storyline here. Yes, Do you remember totally, the hybrid storyline? Right. I forgot about the hybrid storyline. I forgot about it when I rewatched it. Rewatching the scene right now to refresh my memory talking about it, I got hit in the face when it's the hybrid. I went, oh my god, the hybrid storyline, that was terrible. Uh, yes. <laughs> Because it was another storyline that really didn't build into anything, did it? Because the hybrid was the Doctor, yeah. and then that was the end of it. And it was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah it, it, I think the hybrid was supposed to be like two races kind of crossbred together to create the ultimate warrior. And I think uh, me, yeah. the Game of Thrones girl, was was hinted That's... at being a hybrid. Yeah, because she had the Time Lord juices yeah. to make her immortal and also a human. Uh, Every couple of episodes of this season had the Doctor being like, oh, you must be a hybrid! <laughs> because he had to say that every couple of episodes. Yeah, it, uh, it was a really bad storyline that didn't go anywhere. That, it didn't go anywhere yeah. memorable anyway. Uh, and yeah, it was really... Capaldi got lumped with some bad arcs. And like... <laughs> The next, the arc after this one was pretty good. I think it was the whole mystery box. She was inside the box. It turned yeah. out to be the master, which yeah, it was, was kind of ultimately, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was great. That His his third arc, great. But first arc, am I a good man? Second arc, yeah. oh, who's, where's the hybrid? And then the third arc <laughs> was good, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. Um, at least he got better arcs than Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, he got arcs. So, <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah, you know Jody didn't get any of those we then cut back to Clara and the assistant again for a very short period of time like a couple of seconds really where Clara's like you're right the world is ending and we cut away but uh, the background to that scene is we're looking at Zygon pods and it's like something straight out of Alien like it's uh, yeah. a, a pretty funky looking set I uh you know, I'm getting funky and groovy. You're, maybe I am in a 70s mood. Uh, <laughs> although that's just my vocabulary normally, so maybe I am just from the 70s. But, it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty groovy looking set. There we go, we've got them both in there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a set <laughs> that I enjoy because I'm a big fan of the Alien films and it feels like a sort of homage uh, to that set design. We then cut to the Doctor uh, for a very short period of time where he's interrogating a Zygon uh, that they've captured. And uh, he almost tells the Zygon his real name, which is an interesting slip-up, a rare slip-up for the Doctor, where the Doctor's like, uh, what's your name? Oh, you can call me... Actually, you can just call me the Doctor. Oh, that was close. He's <laughs> like, my name's... Uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh but you know they're like oh you're the president of the world well we want the world ha 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 we're so evil and that that's the scene it's i get it's information we have really yeah 
Yet again, another bad story arc. I think we might have talked about this earlier, but the whole President of the World storyline was just really pointless and shit. I, I, like, it didn't play into anything, but I thought it was fun. It's a fun excuse to give the Doctor a big plane and to have him around important people. But, yeah, whenever they say you're the President of the World, I do kind of cringe a bit. It's a bit, it's a bit too, I, I don't know, almost kiddy. I mean, it's a kid's show we're watching, but there's some it takes me out of the real the reality of the show a bit when people think of the doctor as this you know savior who's in charge of humanity rather than this mysterious stranger who saves people in the background without anybody really realizing yeah but he doesn't need to be president of the world to be around important people he's already in with unit and unit can just get from the big plane it doesn't need to factor into the whole president of the world story he can do the nixon thing (laughs) <laughs> okay that's a fair point mm. <laughs> that might be the best part of the whole president of the world thing <laughs> uh so now we get the big reveal of the episode which is handled so well uh so we're with clara and the assistant as they're looking at the pods and they're like oh okay clara gets the all the soldiers ready she grabs a gun she's like okay everybody we're gonna kill them all we're gonna blow up these pods and the assistant's like whoa what, what why are we what, what are you doing and clara's like well come on you know we've got to kill them look at this one she pulls off the like moss essentially off one of the pods and uh, we see clara's face inside the pod my question is did she know clara was behind that one or did she have to improvise a bit when she pulled off and went oh crap that's me uh <laughs> I think they're still linked together, so she would have known which pod she was in by, I don't know, like, some sense. Like, Uh, the game of hot or cold. Yeah. The game warmer. (laughs) Uh, But she sees that Clara's in there, she's like, oh, we have to destroy these pods because the Zygons are growing duplicates of us, so we have to do it before then. And the assistant's like, wait, hang on, that doesn't make sense. Zygons don't grow uh, people. They they turn into people and then keep the bodies. These are the original humans. And then everything clicks with her, and you you get this amazing app. Like, Jenna Coleman here is spectacular evil face this little grin just comes on the side of uh, clara's face where you're like oh the reveal the pin drops and it's, it's so so well done oh yeah i think this is definitely uh jenna coleman's best performance i think more so in the next episode but still here she's very great yeah yeah it's it's, it's really fun to see her play a villain uh, like, she does a really really good job of it uh but all the zygons come and she murders the assistant and all the soldiers and she's like ha 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 we are evil and we also then get a flashback to the uh the wee boy whose name i've now forgotten uh in the flat from the start of the episode just in case you didn't put two and two remember, it's a kid show so in case you didn't figure out what's going on it tells you straight up shows you that yeah you look Clara was taken over by a Zygon. This isn't the real Clara, in case you were confused by that. Which I don't think I like. I kind of like letting people figure it out for themselves. But Yeah. Uh, so we go back to the doctor on the big plane chatting with the Zygon, where the Zygon's, you know, giving some justification behind the uh terrorist cell of zygons where you to make you sympathize a bit with them where they're like you know we don't want to live in hiding we want to live as zygons and we want to be treated as zygons not as pretending to be these people uh and so we're going to live in a country and the doctor's like well that's fair but you can't go to the uk there's people there and he's got the great definitely not political line of uh they'll think you're going to pinch their benefits uh 
which is it's a pretty pretty fun little wee quip. It's honestly a line I didn't catch until now. It's it's <laughs> perfect. Uh, and then the Zygon's like, well, it's tough because we're already there. And also we've taken over the country, basically, uh, bit by bit in the shadows without realizing, you know, war's about to come now and we're all, we've already won uh, sort of thing. I also ha- I have to wonder, with the Zygon being tied up like that, is the Doctor maybe a little bit turned on? He seems to have a big thing for Zygons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He did put it right <laughs> over one of the suckers, so he probably yeah. he probably enjoyed that <laughs> part. Uh, then we're with Kate again and the policeman officer lady who's, you know, like, oh, there was this wee boy and, you know, he was a Zygon, but everybody treated him differently. They figured out he was a Zygon. Everybody was, like, mean to him and they, they never treated us with respect and we need to get it. And, you know, Kate's like, uh, what do you mean, us and we, huh? And uh, then, then the cop's like, I'm a Zygon all along, ah, uh, and turns into a Zygon. And then we, we strangely cut away just as the Zygon's about to attack Kate to Clara calling Kate or calling the cop to be like, hey, truth or consequences, are, are you good? And we then cut back to see Kate, who's holding a Zygon telephone, uh, being like, ah, yes, truth or consequences, I am a Zygon. And my question to you, Scott, and you might remember the next episode, I don't know how much, but I think it's pretty obvious that uh kate's definitely not death i mean definitely a zygon definitely she got killed and turned into a zygon uh and oh, really in, in the scene where we cut away just before her death that's the the my favorite thing in tv shows is when you don't see the character die so you know they're dead that's that's how that works <laughs> <laughs> yeah like in a squid game yeah but yeah, yeah. I, i'm I, We've we've recorded this episode over a couple of days, as you can tell by the rapidly changing camera quality. I can't tell if you're listening to the audio, but if you're listening to it on video or watching it on video, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in, in between recording days, I've had time to watch the second episode, and you're uh, definitely onto something uh, there. Uh, I haven't watched the second episode yet, so I'm just I'm, I'm just smart. And also, I saw the but, second episode years ago. But I mean, I'm also smart. <laughs> Uh, but also, the original ending for Kate would have had her locked in a room with hundreds of baby Zygon caterpillars hatching. That sounds which would have been That sounds yeah, like we, a nightmare. <laughs> it, it also sounds very expensive, and yeah. Yeah, you can see why they opted for this cliffhanger. Yeah. Then we get a pretty great way, a, a pretty great end to this episode, where Clara's standing on a cliff, uh, looking at a big plane overhead, um, the plane which the Doctor's in, uh, she calls up the doctor and uh, the Zygon on the plane tells the doctor, you better answer it because this plane's never going to land. Uh, and the doctor answers it. He's like, Clara, hey. And uh, Clara's like, hi, I'm definitely Clara at the moment and not Bonnie. Uh, and he's like, oh, cool. Well, you're surrounded by Zygons. Get to the TARDIS. And then Clara's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she pulls out a bazooka. Uh, and, <laughs> and then she blows the doctor up and kills him. And the show, it was a weird end to Doctor Who. But a satisfying one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end, uh, at the end, uh, Zygon Clara's like, "I'm Clara's dead. Kate Stewart is dead." And it just reminds me of a uh, Taylor Swift song. I'm sorry, the real Taylor Swift can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because she's dead. <laughs> 
that's uh, <laughs> not a reference i know i don't know a single taylor swift song so that caught me off guard i wasn't expecting a taylor swift reference uh <laughs> it, it's 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 the one that samples i'm too sexy for a shirt and she and she's like oh look what you made me do i have what it. you made I, me do i haven't heard it's, it i genuinely it, have not heard it <laughs> it's it's fucking dreadful i'll tell you that much i think i've heard maybe one taylor swift song in my life i've lived a pretty blessed life uh... <laughs> um but also this was by coincidence aired only a few hours after t- the 2015 sino penisulia massacre where terrorists from the islamic state of iraq placed a bomb on a metrojet flight 9268 killing 217 people and 31 people complained to the BBC about this scene because of that. And it's like, they didn't know. It's not their fault. Also, Doctor Who's not political, so why are you complaining? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. People that complain to Ofcom about TV shows, uh, I want to know who they are. Actually, I don't. They're not people I ever want to (laughs) meet. Yeah, some people don't like having to be yeah. challenged by media. Yeah, everything gets complained about. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Except this show. Everybody loves this show. <laughs> as in our podcast. The best show. Obviously. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yes, obviously. But that does bring us to the end of this episode, Scott. So what were your thoughts on the Zygon invasion? Now that we finally got to the end of it, it's taken us like three days to finish this recording. My God. Normally it wouldn't take this long, but we've just been stretched for time this week. Uh, before I go to my final thoughts, if you notice, there is no next time trail at the end of this, which is a perfect way of doing this. It's like a big cliffhanger. You don't need a next time trailer. Just give it a break, guys. Don't need next time trailers every single time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this episode kind of doesn't feel like it's canon. Like, there's so many questions we have about the Zygon population in the UK. Nobody nobody ever references 20 million Zygons in the UK and all that kind of nonsense. But ignoring that kind of weird plotline and it, how it doesn't really fit in, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good setup episode for a brilliant second part. The first part is weaker, the second part is much better. But yeah, it's a pretty solid episode. Yeah, yeah, I remember the second part being uh, very strong. I, all centered around that one Doctor Who speech, but a pretty strong episode. Uh, my thoughts on this one is, yeah, it's fun. It's I, I think I enjoyed watching it now again, going through it for the podcast than I did watching it in preparation for the podcast. I don't know what it is about it, but like I, I really enjoyed it. That scene with the soldier talking to his not mum Zygon. Excellent. The twist with Clara that caught me off guard, even though I had seen the episode, is handled so, and it it really it plays it out in front of your face that it should be obvious, and yet somehow it's not. Uh, it's there's certain bits about the episode that I really, really, I think majority of the episode I really like, but yeah, there is just the weird Zygon like the actual reasoning behind the Zygon or the like lore that they give behind it doesn't make sense. Osgood's definitely a human. Uh, and speaking about the next time trailers uh, that you were saying, that reminded me of Flux, where the Doctor is uh, the angels of whatever what, the village of angels when she gets turned into an angel, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was an episode before that 
where it ends on some cliffhanger where you're like, oh my god, maybe this person's good. That's what it was. It was when they're on the planet Time. Yeah. And uh, <sighs> goddamn Yaz is about to die. And then it, you yes. know, it cuts to the credits. And then the next time you see Yaz off on an adventure. And you're like, okay, so she didn't die then. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, use your next time trailers sparingly. You don't need them every time. Definitely agree. Well, at least that time, the next time trailer showed um, like illusions of yeah, Yaz. It was an illu- yeah, it was a, an yeah. illusion, but it made it seem like she yeah. had survived, and it undermined the entire cliffhanger. I would have been way better without the next time trailer for sure. Uh, honestly, I forgot time was a planet. <laughs> <laughs> but it was season. so important. It was so important, Scott. Yeah, it was so important. All that, all that, nothing that happened from it. Yeah, like, all the keepers of time died and there is no consequences to that. Yeah, you know? but also time's a person. So. Yeah, and they broke, them out of, they broke them out of jail. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good series, Flux. It was a really good season. But uh, we're not talking about Flux. It's going to haunt us for every episode we do from now on, <laughs> my God. Uh, but, yes, I think this was a pretty solid episode in general. Uh, and next week we will have the follow-up the zygon inversion which is a superior episode and capaldi's defining moment as the doctor uh it is such a good goddamn speech i cannot wait to listen to, or to watch it again oh my god i'm excited you could try you could try listening to it it'd be fun <laughs> well our our i'll probably have it as the cold open for next week so if you listen to the podcast you will be listening to it <laughs> you'll have no choice <laughs> Don't fast forward <laughs> through it. I won't allow you. <laughs> and I'll know if you do. And I'll find you. Uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fuck, fuck Greg. Well, bastard. Yeah, I hate that guy. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. Uh, this has been Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Who Watches Who, on Twitter at Watches Doctor, on YouTube at Who Watches Who, where we've, this is a video podcast. We, we, you can look at our faces move. Uh, woo, woo, woo. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's your money's worth. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> or it's also available in audio form wherever you listen to your podcast if you're like me and prefer listening to a podcast than watching it. But I was uh, listening to the, the It's Always Sunny podcast because they've just recently started doing a video podcast as well. And they started doing one because apparently half of all people that listen to podcasts in general watch video podcasts. Like, it's like an almost 50-50 split between video podcasts and audio podcast viewers. It's wild. Who watches a podcast? It's so boring. I hope, anyway, if you did watch it, I mean, it's great. Thank you for watching it. Look at our lovely face. But it's so boring. Why would you watch it? Listen to it and do something. Like, yeah, the only way you watch a podcast is if it's a podcast where they react to YouTube videos or something maybe, like that. But, like, think of, like, Joe Rogan, you know? Yeah. Where they're just sitting at a table. People watch that crap all the time. <laughs> uh yeah i don't get it i don't get why you watch a podcast i like listening to them on the bus but <laughs> anyway you can follow me on twitter at cloth223 uh scott you start talking at this point um you can send us an email at who watches who pod at gmail.com what are your thoughts of this episode would you fuck a zygon i would and um yeah no just send us no, no just send us I, anything you want to talk about i wouldn't even question why there's a zygon <laughs> I, I just like straight away uh, assuming it was consensual which of course it would be but yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, send, or, send us an email about your Zygon fantasies. Or maybe don't send us an email about your Zygon fantasies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes, until then, we will see you next week with the same, the same Doctor Who time, the same Doctor Who channel. All of... All of... Olive. I was going to say olive uh, and said I said olive, so. <laughs> olive. This has gone off the rails. Goodbye. <laughs> Han disappears. Oh no. oh no. Right. I'm stopping recording now. Here we go. There we go.